Man, it's so good to see you guys this morning. Uh, what a privilege I get to, to speak uh, the Word of God to you this morning. And uh, excited about that, pumped about that. Uh, Pastor Seth, man, he just, like a, like a, just a good placeholder, man, just sets it right up. And we're going to kick it through the uprise this morning. Don't you love Pastor Seth? <laughs> Telling you what, I want to, want to congratulate our uh, Timber Creek students for doing an amazing job at fine arts over the weekend. Some of you guys don't know, they went to fine arts and just like owned the whole thing. It might as well be Timber Creek Church Fine Arts. Many of them are advancing on to, advancing on to uh, Houston um, a few months. And so we congratulate you guys. And uh, so, so proud of you for just pursuing God's call on your life. And, and uh, as Paul says to Timothy, stirring up those gifts. And uh, so continue to pray for them. And Pastor Seth and Janae, you guys are doing an amazing job with our students. We love you and appreciate you. Hey, I want to uh, say thanks to uh, Pastor Jeremy for allowing me the opportunity to preach on Sunday morning. It's a, it's a big a big thing, and I uh, appreciate him trusting me to, to do that this morning. And I want to also say, Axum Jacks, the, uh, <laughs> come on, man, uh, they're heading to the dance, and uh, we're excited about that, and we're going to root them on, and we obviously have uh, some, some Jacks over here to my right. Appreciate you guys. Uh, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 19. You want to turn in your scriptures there this morning. If this is your first time joining us, we're in uh, part five of a 132-part series. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're, I don't even, all year long, man, we're, it's going to be awesome. We're going through the Bible together, you guys. Are you enjoying the story? If you haven't picked up a book, man, you want to get that out in the lobby. It's an it's a cool way. It's it's just a new way. It's it's not a uh, it's not like a replacement for your Bible. It's a good supplement as you're reading through the Scripture. It's great reading. There's some great commentary in there. You want to get a hold of one of those. Listen, by the time you read through the story this year, you'll have read 80 percent of the Bible. That's awesome. Yeah, give yourselves a round of applause. You're gonna do it. You by faith, you're gonna make it happen. All right. Listen, 80%, that's huge. But you guys know that the, the goal is not like to get through the word by the, you know, because uh, when we get to heaven someday, you know, Daniel's going to walk up and say, hey, bro, did you read my book? And you're like, I hope so, you know. <laughs> I read all of Jesus' books. <laughs> the whole thing's him. Anyways, um, man, the, the goal is for the word to get through you, Right? Man, I don't want to just get through the word. Man, I want the word to get through me because I know if it can get through me, it's going to transform me, somebody. It's going to be good, right? So continue to read the word. Be a part of this series. It's a great series. We're, I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. I'm enjoying it. Today we're going to talk about the new commands and the new covenant. We're going to go through the Ten Commandments. And uh, it's going to be good this morning. I'm excited to, to talk to you about that. Last week, Pastor Jeremy walked us through deliverance. And it was our first rescue day. Uh, so cool, guys, to be a part of a church that's, that's reaching out and, and partnering with ministries to help uh, rescue uh, women from sex trafficking. And it's incredible ministry. If you want more information about that, see one of our, our hosts uh, after service out in the lobby. We can, we can get you connected to that. But that part of the story, uh, talking about uh, God delivering the children of Israel from, from bondage to, uh, to the Egyptians into a life of freedom in him. And, uh, and we talked about uh, how walking into the wilderness was a new beginning for them, a new chapter in the narrative of God. 
knowing God, finding freedom, discovering purpose, making a difference. We see how God delivered the children of Israel out of bondage to the Egyptians. And, and now we're going to look at their, uh, for the next few weeks, we're going to look at their journey from, uh, from slavery to the promised land. How many of you guys know that we're on a journey? Look at your neighbor and say, you're, just, you're on a journey. You're on a journey, man. We're in this process together. In fact, a few weeks ago, Pastor Talia preached uh, an incredible message about the, this process that we're in. And we got to stay connected to the process. you got to stay in the process because it's the process that prepares you for the promised land. There's a lot of peas right there. <laughs> but it is, and, and so many of us, like, we struggle with that. We get through the process, and we reach hard things, and we, like, bail ship, right? And God's like, no, you got to stay with the process. you got to stay with the process. And so such a powerful word, and and and. You know, I, I think about the, the children of Israel. Man, I give them a little credit. They were under Egyptian uh, slavery for 400 years. More than 400 years. This is all they knew, right? It's all they knew. And, and I think for some of us, we, we get saved and, and we invite Jesus to come in. And then we struggle because all of a sudden I'm still dealing with sin in my life. Come on. I'm still struggling with some of the things that I feel like I'm in bondage. Listen, it's, just because we're delivered from Egypt doesn't mean that we're automatically, uh, we've automatically got Egypt delivered from us. It's, it's a process. It's, we call it sanctification, setting apart every single day. God's setting us apart. If you want to know more about that and you want to dig into that, we've got classes called Encounter. Man, they are, they are digging through this stuff, and you're encountering God, and, and go through Grow Track. And this is all a process that we, kinda, we, we go through as God is working out his salvation in us. As Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And it's not like I'm scared of God, but it's like this is serious business, that God's doing some things in me. So this morning we're going to look at that first leg of the journey from captivity to promised land, and I'm going to be honest with you, it's a messy, it's a messy few days. Like we get into this story, and there's some crazy stuff that happens. You ever been on a road trip? You ever been on a road trip and then like wished you weren't on a road trip? <laughs> like within the first five minutes, like you're driving down the road. If you're like me, I, I I get down the road ten minutes, and I'm and I'm thinking I have forgot something. Like I forgot, I don't know what it is. I forgot, I forgot something. You know, it ends up being like your phone charger or something, and everybody knows you got to go back for that, right? Like we left a kid at home. That's that's fine, but where's my phone? Where's my phone charger? I mean, <laughs> road trip. You get you get an hour down the road, and and kids in the backseat. I got to go to the bathroom. Well, we were just at the house an hour ago. What do you mean you got to go to the bathroom? Hey, Dad, I'm hungry. You know, I don't know, pick up a, a French fry off the floor, you know. We're not stopping. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You get on a road trip and you're like, pedal to the metal, baby. We're going to get there in record time. <laughs> that didn't happen. I'm in, a, I'm in a car full of girls. We stop a lot. <laughs> These road trips, man, they're, they're crazy. Are we there yet? <laughs> Yeah, you know, when those trees stop doing this, we're there, okay? <laughs> That's not my joke. That's a good one, though. Road trips are, are challenging. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Children of Israel, they were on a road trip heading towards the promised land, and they were million, there was over a million of them, guys. I mean, you've got to think about this. The scriptures say over 600,000 were just men. And it's not talking about wives and children. A million people, like pack up your bags and let's go. 
you know, I have trouble getting us five in the car and, and moving. And, and Moses is like, i got to take all these people. There's a million of them. I mean, grab a buddy, right? Buddy system all over the place. A million people journeying, journeying from, from Egypt to the wilderness of, of Sinai. We pick up the story in chapter 5 in our book, The New Commands and the New Covenant. Exodus chapter 9 is where we're going to be. You can read along with me. The scripture is going to be up on the screen, but feel free to use your e-version or your tree version. Um, pick it up on your phone, whatever is best for you. Exodus chapter 19, verse 1 through 6. Three months after leaving Egypt, the Israelites entered the wilderness of Sinai. Three months. They followed the route from Rephidim, arrived at the wilderness of Sinai, and set up camp. Israel camped there facing the mountain. Allow me to remind you that the past three months of travel have not been like the best road trip of all time. This has been some tough stuff. The children of Israel have grumbled and complained almost the entire way. I can't wait to get out of this car, right? I mean, it's been grumbling and complaining. It's, it's Moses, we don't have any, to wa- any water to drink. Did you bring us out here? I love this conversation. Moses, did you bring us out here to the wilderness to die? Yes, that's exactly why I brought you out here. <laughs> like we're going we're gonna to die of thirst. And so, you guys, God performs a miracle and he brings like water out of a rock. It's a crazy thing. And he gives them water. And they, and they go a little bit farther. And now, now we're dying of hunger. And I hear the kids in the back seat again. I'm hungry. Well, we just ate. And they, they're running out of food. They're like, what are we going to eat? Did you, like, the question again, did you bring us out here to the wilderness to die? You bet. <laughs> and so God does a miracle, and he provides uh, quail, and he provides manna, and God's doing some incredible things. And, and if it weren't enough to, that we're going to die of thirst or hunger, like all of a sudden they start to come up against opposition. And, and there's this, uh, this tribe called the Amalekites. Guys, these were cave and tent-dwelling assassins. And like any time you came into their territory, they like kill you. <laughs> And, and so they come up against it. Guys, we're not talking about a bunch of warriors in the children of Israel. We're talking about people who've been in slavery for a long time. They're not like, like, what do we do now? And, and we've got these people that are coming there attacking us. And, and this incredible story about how Moses sets off, you know, some of our biggest guys. And he's like, go out there and, and fight them, guys. I'm going to stand up on this mountain and watch. Uh, like, I'm going to watch the whole thing. And, like, as he's standing up there, he's got uh, Aaron with him, and this another guy named Hur is with him. And, and this cool thing happens. Like, the, the battle starts to, uh, to wage, and something's going wrong. And, like, he, he begins to lift his hands and, and prays. And, and God begins to do something miraculous. And, like, when his hands would go down, the, the battle was, like, they start to lose the battle. And then they'd lift up his hands again. Guys, there was something powerful in prayer in that moment. And how many of you guys know that there is still something powerful when we pray? When we pray, God does the work for us. And the story goes that they beat the Amalekites because his hands were lifted up in prayer. Are we there yet? <laughs> Moses, are we, are we there yet? And now they're camped at the foot of Mount Sinai. This mountain was more than just a shady spot in the wilderness. I believe this mountain represented the magnitude of what was about to happen in the children of Israel. Guys, they stood at, the, at this mountain, and, and it was more than just this obstacle in the way. This, I think this represented what God wanted to do in their life. This was going to be huge. 
God was going to come down to his people. I believe this mountain also represented the enormous challenge that that the children of Israel faced, returning to a covenant relationship with God. Do you trust God to take care of your most basic needs? I mean, do you trust him? I mean, it's interesting that we, we read the story, and as they're traveling with, in the first three months, they're like not worrying about housing. They're not worrying about paying their bills. They're worrying about, like, food and water and stuff. And God is saying, I, I, am, I am the fountain of water. I am the bread of life. Even in the Old Testament, guys, we're seeing Jesus, right? And he's saying, you need to focus in on me. Do you trust him to protect you from the attacks of the enemy, What will you do when you face that first trial, that first enemy, that first mountain? And guys, I see throughout the scriptures that mountains are often places where God does miracles. Like you're facing a mountain in your life, and this is a moment for God to speak to you. And I want to encourage you this morning. You may be facing something big in your life, something huge. This is an opportunity for God to speak something into your life. Amen? This is where they heard the voice of God. And and we read the story. We don't have time to go through all these details. But we read the story, and we see that they're scared to death. In fact, they say to Moses, hey, Moses, it's cool that God's speaking from that mountain, but it freaks us out. So, like, will you tell him? Like, just speak to you, and then you come speak to us. But this is a moment where God speaks to his people, and he's, and he's coming down to them, and he's wanting to speak to them. Let's continue to read verse 3 through 6. As Moses went up to meet God, God called down to him from the mountain. Speak to the house of Jacob. Tell the people of Israel, you have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to me. And every time I read that, I feel like I should break out in some song, eagle's wings, you know. Okay kind of expected like there to be a piano or something in the back. But God's like saying to Moses, hey, Moses, you you saw what I did to the Egyptians, right? Man, be thankful that wasn't you. (laughs) Be thankful that wasn't you. Hey, Moses, you realize it was I who carried you out of Egypt on eagle's wings. Like you didn't, like you didn't just scrape by trying to get out. Like you didn't Like, I carried you out. I lifted you above everything, and I carried you out on eagle's wings. Don't forget about me, Moses. Moses, you understand that I delivered you from Egypt to me. I delivered you from Egypt to me. And so much in our lives, guys, God delivers us from things in our life, and it's not because he just wants us to be free from that, but he wants us to fully and completely rely on on him. Amen. Let's continue to read. If you'll listen obediently to what I say and keep my covenant out of all the people, you will be my special treasure. The whole earth is mine to choose from, but you're special, a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. This is what I want you to tell the people of Israel. God says to Moses, I am inviting you to enter into a covenant relationship with me. It's an invitation, which means that you don't you don't you don't have to do this. It's an invitation that says, if you will, then I will. It's a covenant relationship. It's up to you. Weigh it out. Consider the cost. Make a decision. And that's what we say on a regular basis. It's like, hey, if you want to be my disciple, Jesus says, you've got to pick up your cross and follow me. But consider the cost. Know, what it's gonna, it's, know, know the price that's going to have to be paid. And we're going to talk about that in a few moments. But God's saying, I want to invite you into a covenant relationship with me. You listen and obey, and I will keep you as my special treasure, my treasured possession. I will make you into a kingdom of priests 
and a holy nation. Tell the people of Israel, I could have whatever I want in this world because I created it all. Like all of it is mine. The whole earth and the fullness thereof, the universe, all of it's mine. But tell the children of Israel that I have chosen you, that I want you. The God of the universe wants a relationship with you. He's not a distant God who has no clue about your life, your desires, and your struggles. How many of you know sometimes God seems like a distant God? I mean, let's be real. Let's be honest this morning. Sometimes he feels like he's a God way up there and not a God right down here, right here, right now. I love how Randy Fries says, God is not an up there kind of God, but his passion is to be down here, right where you are. He desires to be in the middle of all of your junk and at the heart of your dreams and passions. God wants to be at the center of your needs and your struggles. He desires to be that kind of God. If you're taking notes this morning, you got your program guide this morning. It's your first fill-in-the-blank. God wants a relationship with you. It's the big idea for today. You're going to hear me say it a lot. God wants a relationship with you. Since the Garden of Eden, God has desired to walk with you, as the Scripture says, in the cool of the day. God wants to walk hand-in-hand with you. God desires to have uninterrupted communion with his kids. Guys, he wants to be with you 24-7. He doesn't want to be your Sunday, Wednesday God. He doesn't want to be just your Easter God. He wants to be your Monday God, your Tuesday God. He wants to be with you 24-7. In order for that to happen, things, things kind of, they have to change. Adam and Eve broke the original covenant when they disobeyed God in the garden. They were separated from God. They were separated from God by like flaming swords. You guys read the Bible? Like in Genesis it says that they were kicked out of the garden and God put up like flaming swords at the entrance. Like, don't go there. <laughs> like a reminder to, to Adam and Eve, you can't go in there. Like a constant reminder, like, I don't want to go anywhere near that, that door there. Flaming swords, they were separated from God. And chapter 5 shows us that God brought the children of Israel out of bondage into a life of freedom. But freedom from Egypt was not enough. God wanted to bring them into a promised land flowing with milk and honey. But some business needed to be taken care of before they got there. Now, God's not taking us into a promised land with milk and honey. I mean, that sounds pretty cool. But the promised land for us really is, I mean, it is heaven. But guys, how many of you guys know that heaven can start right now? Like heaven can start right now. You can, you can begin to experience the freedom and the blessings of God right now in your life, in the midst of your journey. Because, guys, I love the story as the children of Israel are traveling even through the wilderness. Man, God is showing up. He doesn't wait till we get to the promised land to show that he's God. He's like showing up in the midst of their struggle, in the midst of their pain. He's like, I want to be a God with you. I want to walk through life with you. I want a relationship with you. So in this journey, we see that God uh, gave Moses the Ten Commandments. Like he gave it to him twice because Moses broke the first pair. (laughs) What do you say if you're Moses? Oops. Like God, I mean, I got really, really frustrated. And those things that you wrote on, they were super cool. I broke them. And I tried Gorilla Glue and it wouldn't, it just... (laughs) Like, like I'm trying to put myself in his sandals, right? And I'm saying, 
(laughs) Oops, God, I'm sorry. But like in this moment of rage, right, because he gets the commandments and he comes down and, and he finds that the children of Israel are like dancing around this golden calf thing. And what is wrong with you? I was, like you had one job. I was only gone for just a little bit and I come back and... And you've totally messed everything up. Ah! And he throws these Ten Commandments on the ground and breaks them. You know, it reminded me of a story in first service. I don't have this in my notes, and I thought I'd share it again. Um, anybody have temper issues? I'm asking for a friend, though. Like, <laughs> like let's be transparent. There, there are times in my life where, like, temper was an issue. And it, years ago, like... Like a few days ago. Um, no, I'm kidding. A few years ago. So funny. We had one of those uh, those little stainless steel trash cans, you know, and you pop the lid up and, you know, it looks real nice. And, and I, was, I was at home uh, by myself and, like, something had happened. Something didn't go my way. You know, I don't know. I burnt my, uh, my uh, toaster strudel or something. You know, it just made me mad. And, I, and I'm walking by this trash can and I decide that I'm just going to do tomahawk on this thing. Some of you, you, see, you know what I'm talking about, because there's still that, that hole in your wall that's shaped like your fist. <laughs> and I walk by it, man, and you know what? It, it didn't fight me at all. Like, I caved that thing in like crazy. And, uh, and then I realized, wow, that's, that's going to hurt later when my wife comes home and she sees that I broke her trash can. And so I took the lid off and I hid it somewhere. <laughs> and... And I came, you know, a few days later, she's, she's like walking by and she's, what happened to the lid of our trash can? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> Gravity, you know. I had to confess that. I do feel better about that now, though, honey. I confess I got off my chest. Jesus loves me. So, um, so we're on this journey, and he, he gets the Ten Commandments, and, and God gives it to him twice. And uh, we also see that God's instituting some new laws. And, guys, there's a whole book called the Le- uh, Book of Leviticus. Uh, it's amazing. As you read through the Book of Leviticus, like just law after law after law about the sacrifices that had to be made and how they're supposed to be made and uh, a detailed description of, like, how this relationship is going to work. And, um we see that as, as part of their journey because sin has to be atoned for because just because they're out of Egypt now, um, you know, they were in lawlessness and now God presents the law and now they got to live by the law on this journey. We also see that God came down and he wants to be in the center of their lives. And so uh, he tells Moses, I want you to build a tabernacle, which is a dwelling place, because I want to be in the center of you. I want to be right there in the middle of what's going on. So in this chapter, we see Moses leading God's people into the wilderness, but this was no field trip, obviously. This, it's a new beginning for them. It's a fresh start. God is serious about his relationship with his people. Guys, this was serious, serious business. For the next few moments, I'd like to highlight four things I believe God is still serious about when it comes to our relationship with him. Number one, God is serious about his commands. God is serious about his commands. Moses goes up to the mountain to meet with God, and God hands down the ten most quoted, best-known rules human can, humankind has ever heard. It's straightforward, no-nonsense rules. But this is not just a bunch of classroom etiquette rules, don't run in the hallways, 
say please and thank you. Wash your hands when you're done in the bathroom. Be kind to one another. Don't chew on Tommy's pencils. Turn your work in on time. It's not just a bunch of etiquette rules. These are, these are commands that are different they're commands uh, that there's not just a suggested do's and, and don'ts and pick what you want and don't, you know, if you don't like that, you don't have to do that. Guys, this, these commands regulated their relationship with God and with one another. Like this wasn't just do's and don'ts. And I, I love over the years that we've, you know, we, you know, we stand up and fight for, for things like, um, like they're taking the Ten Commandments out of the courthouse and that kind of stuff. And, and, and it's okay to stand up and fight for that kind of stuff. But guys, listen to me this morning. If the Ten Commandments aren't hanging on the wall of your heart, it doesn't matter if they're hanging on the wall of the courthouse, right? Like we need to have the commandments written on our hearts, right? And, come on. It's so, it's so important, and God is serious about this. And, and so Jesus, even in the New Testament, he's like, hey, you know, the commandments are incredibly important. Let me break it down to you real simple-like, and I appreciate that from Jesus. He's just like, hey, basically you need to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you need to love each other. And when we look at the Ten Commandments, we see that, like the first, the first few commandments, they all relate to God. You shall have no other gods before me. You don't make any, any images of gods and bow down and worship them. Don't misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And then the other commandments, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie about your neighbor, don't covet your neighbor's stuff like their wife, their husband, their boat, their truck, their dog, their house. Like, don't covet those things. That's, that hurts your relationship with each other. And, and there's another scripture in the New Testament that says, if you don't love each other, then you can't say that you love me. So, like, this is important stuff. This is serious. God's serious about his commandments. Moses brings all the commandments and instructions back to the children of Israel, and they respond, we will do everything the Lord has commanded. And, guys, I feel like I've done that, too. You know, God, whatever you say, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. And then I get up the next day and, like, I do whatever I want to do. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like, I, the intention is, I, yeah, I, I want to do everything you want me to do, but, but let me be honest, God, I, I struggle with that. Is anybody else? Like, I know you're serious about your commands and serious about loving you, but there are times, God, I don't feel like I love you with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And certainly aren't times that I love my, you know, <laughs> my neighbor. I struggle with that, right? But God's serious about his commands. You're here this morning, he's like, yeah, I knew it. First time to church, and he speaks about rules and regulations. I get it. I'm probably going to talk about tithe next, you know. This is why I don't attend church. This is why I don't come here. Who wants to follow a bunch of rules anyways? Who wants to live with restrictions? Because I feel like serving Jesus, serving God is just a bunch of rules and restrictions. How many of you guys know that that's not what it's all about? He's not, you know, he's not the God up there that's just ready to punch you across the face, right, as soon as you mess up. I love how we were singing earlier, man. He's come to the altar. God's, his, his arms are wide open for you. And we're going to talk about how Jesus made all of that possible in just a moment. Let me let you in on a little secret here. You know, God gives the Ten Commandments, but he knew that we weren't going to be able to follow them. Like, he knew that we were going to struggle following the Ten Commandments. In fact, there's a time in the, in the, in the New Testament where Jesus is he's preaching his sermon on the mountain, and he says, I heard, I heard that, or you've heard that it was said, don't do such and such, right? And he's quoting these, these commandments. You've heard that, that uh, it was said, don't commit adultery, that's right, don't commit adultery, 
<laughs> you've heard that it's don't murder. Yeah, don't murder. But he's like, man, if you've looked lustfully on a woman, you've committed adultery. Man, if you've, if you've got hatred in your heart towards somebody, you've committed murder. Like I'm reading through those things and I'm thinking, man, I, I've broken God's commands. And the scriptures say if you broke one of them, you broke all of them. Guys, we can kind of get to feeling a, a place of hopelessness. Like, God, how can I do this? But, but God didn't give the Ten Commandments knowing that we were going to fulfill those Ten, those ten Commandments to the T. Exodus 32.1, when the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said, make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us out from the land of Egypt. Like he didn't even get to talk to them about the first two ten commandments or the first two commandments, and they've already broke them. Like we even we haven't even got there yet, people, and and they've already messed it up. So God wants to totally wipe these people out off the face of the earth because of their rebellion, but Moses steps in and stops him. I love how Moses, even in the Old Testament, we're seeing that Moses is playing the role of Jesus in the Old Testament. Listen to this, Exodus 32. Then the Lord said, I have seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are. Now leave me alone so my fierce anger can blaze against them and I will destroy them. Then I will make you, Moses, into a great nation. But Moses tried to pacify the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, why are you so angry with your own people whom you brought from the land of Egypt with such great power and such strong hand? Why let the Egyptians say their God rescued them from the evil intentions of, uh, from evil intentions of slaughtering them in the mountains and wiping them from the face of the earth? Turn away from your fierce anger. Change your mind about this terrible disaster you have threatened against your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You bound yourself with an oath to them, saying, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars of heaven, and I will give them all this land that I have promised to your descendants, and they will possess it forever. So, guys, the Lord changed his mind. The Lord changed his mind. I don't know if anybody went on to thank Moses for that. Like, but I would be holding that card, you know. I'd be like, hey, I just want you to know God wanted to torture you all. And, like, I stepped in, and so... You're welcome. So God gave the Ten Commandments uh, so that they would see their ultimate need for him. That's the whole point. Like, you can't do it. Like, it's, it's impossible for you, so you got to rely on me. And, and I'm reminded of the rich young ruler in the New Testament, and, and he says to Jesus, hey, uh, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And, and he says, well, you know, these are the commands. And he says, well, cool, man, I've done all of those. Check the box. He says, great, well, then I want you to sell all of your riches and come and follow me. And the craziest thing happens, one of the saddest parts of that story is the rich young ruler took his possessions, turned, turned and walked away from God. <laughs> like, no, I'm good. And what was, what was Jesus revealing? He was revealing to him that in his heart he, he wasn't honoring God, that the possessions in his life took to the place of God. His riches were God to him. Don't misunderstand me this morning. God doesn't want a bunch of rule-following robots. He wants relationship. He wants a relationship with us. Watch what happens when these things get twisted. I see it this way. In your notes, rules above relationship equal rebellion. Rules above relationship equal rebellion. We saw this happen with God's people while Moses was gone. When Moses was away, the people began to play. With no relationship that just rules, hey, forget the rules. We don't know where this Moses guy went. In fact, they say, we don't know where this Moses guy who brought us out of Egypt, guys, that was incorrect. They misunderstood it from the beginning. It wasn't Moses, it was God who brought them out. 
Relationship above rules equal a false reality. We see this with Aaron. Man, they thought Aaron, hey, buddy, hey, pal, come over here and, and do this thing for us. That's a false reality. Every relationship has rules. Every relationship has these unspoken rules that make that relationship work. So for the best of the both worlds, we look at, at the balance between relationship and rules. Relationships guided by rules equal a covenant relationship. John 14, 15 says, if you really love me, you'll keep and obey my commands. Write this down in the margins there. You don't have it in your notes. But God wants a relationship with you. He desires for you to love him and love others. God's serious about loving him and loving others. Point number two, God is serious about his presence in your life. God told Moses to create space for his presence. Exodus 25, have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. You must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the pattern I will show you. Again, God's not an up there God. He's a down here God. He wanted, he wanted Moses to create a space for him. Like this is HGTV, like Old Testament style. <laughs> like I want these types of curtains, Moses, and I want you to use this type of wood. I mean, it's like detailed, right? And so they've got this tabernacle, this tent that's set up right in the middle of everything that's going on there. And there's this holy of holies where the presence of God dwells. But the only challenge with that, guys, is that we couldn't have access to him. Like there was a curtain that separated man from God. And once a year, a man could go in and, and, and be in God's presence. But the rest of us, we couldn't have access to him. God wants to be right there in the center of your life. So Moses creates this space for God. He built this elaborate tabernacle for God's presence. And every time the children of Israel moved from one place to the next, they took God's presence with them. They created space for him wherever they were, right in the center. And can I encourage you today, man, this, this is a great building. It's a beautiful facility with nice AC. And I'm glad they kept it cool this morning because some of you, you missed that hour of sleep and you're feeling like dozing off, but it's keeping cool in here and you're staying connected. I appreciate that this morning. But guys, this, this isn't like the tabernacle where God's presence, listen, you can take God's presence wherever you go. Like when you go to work, you ought to create space for him so that he can be right there. Why? Because he wants to be right in the center of your life. God wants to be in the center of your life. In fact, write this down. God is serious about being at the center of my life. Have you ever felt like you couldn't get close to God? Have you ever felt like God was unapproachable? Have you ever felt like the sin in your life was keeping you from accessing God? Like you couldn't get your stuff together enough to invite the presence of God in? Like God's presence, he's knocking on the door, but like you're a hoarder and you're like, you don't want him to come in? <laughs> because all the junk that's going on. Man, how you guys know God wants to walk, he wants to walk right in the middle of all that. He wants to be right there with you. He's serious about a relationship with you. Number three, God's serious about sin. God's serious about sin. In order for God to be present with his people, sin had to be covered. Exodus 19 says, Then the Lord told Moses, Go down and prepare the people for my arrival. Consecrate them today tomorrow and have them wash their clothing. Be sure they are ready on the third day, for on that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai as the Lord, as, as all the people watch. Mark off a boundary along, around the mountain. Warn the people, be careful 
like put up signs and stuff that said, don't go next to this, go next, don't go next to this mountain. Do not go up to the mountain or even touch its boundaries. Anyone who touches the mountain will certainly be put to death. No hand may touch the person or animal that crosses the boundary. Instead, stone them or shoot them with arrows. They must be put to death. Guys, that's like serious business. Like don't go to that mountain. But we remember back in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned and like they, they recognized that, man, we're messed up now. And the scripture says they realized they were naked, and so they took fig leaves and they sewed them to cover their nakedness. And God's like, who told you that you were naked? At what point did you start looking at you and stop looking at me? And so God performs the first sacrifice to cover sin when he took the skins of animals and made clothing for them. And we see right there in the beginning of Genesis that God is making sacrifice Guys, how many of you guys know that sin requires sacrifice? When we sin in our lives, there's, there's a consequence to that sin. And God's serious about that in our lives. Listen to what he says in Exodus 20. I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the, present, of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children through the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. And I'm so thankful that it didn't stop there. He says, but I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. God's pretty serious about sin in our lives. We don't generally understand this uh, most of the time because we don't understand the deep impact sin has had on our relationship with God and on each other. Sin is the stiff arm that blocks us from intimacy with God. Sin is, is that, that, uh, that thing that keeps us from genuine relationship with each other. It's the eroding factor that causes our relationships to constantly fall apart. In fact, Paul says in Romans, for everyone has sinned, we all fall, fall short of God's glorious standard. Sin wrecks our relationships. So what do I do? I make sacrifices. Sacrifices had to be made for sin. But the sacrificial system was only temporary. It was only a temporary earthly fix. The blood of animals could only cover sin. It couldn't do the job of removing sin. And we don't just need our sins covered. We need them removed as far as the east is from the west. And the writer of Hebrews says the old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come. Not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again and again. Year after year, they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped for the worshiper would have been purified once and for all. And their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But instead, those sacrifices actually reminded, of, reminded them of their sins year after year. For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. It wasn't possible. It's not possible for that to take away sin. It's not possible for you and I to be, to be good enough to work that out in our life. It's not possible. We can't do it. And think about this for a moment. The number of sacrifices that had to be made on a daily basis for a million people. Think about the stench that would have covered the land. Think about the cost. Think about the mess that that would have been like. And it's reminding us that sin is messy, guys. Sin is costly. I'm glad we're not making animal sacrifices anymore. I'm glad that I'm not just trying to cover my sin up anymore. I'm glad that there's a living sacrifice who took the sin upon himself on that cross of Calvary. The cost is too great. 
I'm still left with feelings of guilt and shame when I try to do it myself. I'm constantly reminded of my sin. God is serious about sin. And finally, God is serious about you. God is serious about you. So much so that he sent his one and only son to die on the cross for you. He wants to make your heart his home. Jesus came to form a new covenant with his blood. That is why we receive communion. When we receive communion, we read the scriptures of Luke 22, 2. He did the same with the cup after saying, this cup is the new covenant written in my blood. Blood poured out from you. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, we see the story of God playing out. In the Old Testament, we see God coming down and forming a new covenant with mankind. And he established that covenant with his commands and the blood of animal sacrifices. But he was temporary, a shadow of what was to come. His ultimate plan was he was going to come down in flesh. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. And the word of God came and dwelled among us. In fact, another translation says it moved into, he moved into the neighborhood with us. His ultimate plan was to be with us. Why? Because he wants a relationship with us. He can't can't stand the thought of spending eternity without us. So God's saying to you and to me today, I want a relationship. I'm not an up there God. I'm a right here, right now, in this place, God. You may be here today and you're saying, "I I don't have a relationship with God. I'm not good enough. Like, I I feel that way. Like, I've never been good enough. I don't reach the standard. Yeah, well, welcome to the the family, you know. (laughs) We're all a bunch of messed up people on this journey towards God, relying on his sacrifice, not on our own. Like, I'm, I'm too broken. Well, you came to the right place because he's a God who fixes broken things. I've done too much to deserve a relationship with God. Listen, he died for you while you were still a sinner, while you still had sin in your life. You can't do enough to gain his perfection. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. I I can't relate to God. Well, he came down to relate to you. He wants to be God with us. How can God love me? I just feel so dirty, so guilty, so full of shame. I I just can't trust God and I can't trust people. Maybe that's you here this morning. God is serious about a relationship with you. He knows that you're not going to be good enough. Jesus said, I didn't come to fulfill, I didn't, I didn't come to take away the commandments. I came to fulfill them. Like I knew you couldn't do it, so I came to do it for you. Like I'm going to show you the way. 1 John 5, 3 through 5, in fact, this is love for God to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcame the world? Only the one who believes Jesus is the Son of God. Put your faith and trust in him. God knew you couldn't cover your sin. In fact, God doesn't want to just cover your sins. He wants to remove it completely. The, John the Baptist said, "Hey, the ne- uh, he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He takes away our sins. Psalms 103, God is sheer, uh, is sheer mercy and grace, not easily angered. He's rich in love. He doesn't endlessly nag and scold nor hold grudges forever. Thank God. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve, nor pay us back in full for our wrongs. As high as heaven is over the earth, so strong is his love for those who fear him. As far as sunset to sunrise, he has separated us from our sins. Someone say amen. God is serious about you, and he's chosen 
your heart is his home. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, don't, real, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. God wants a relationship with you today. As the band is coming back this morning, and we're going to close this service up this morning. I just want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. I've thrown a lot of information at you this morning, and I understand that. And I just want you to know, I've been praying this, uh, this, this week that somebody this morning would just realize it's not based on your works. And it's not based on what you can do to reach God. You can't reach Him. None of us can. There's not a ladder tall enough for us to get up to where He's... So God came down to us. God wants to be the center of your life. God wants to come right down in the middle of your mess. And you say this morning, I'm standing in front of a mountain. I've created this mountain with my sin. I've created this mountain with my decisions and my choices in life. Listen, this mountain today is a moment for you to experience a miracle. God's speaking to you. He's saying to you this morning, I want to come down and I want to make your heart my home. And you don't even have to clean yourself up for that. I'm just coming. Heads bowed and every eye closed. If you want to invite Jesus to come and be the center of your life this morning, you say, I've got sin in my life. I want to repent of that and ask Jesus, invite him to come in all across the building. Would you slip your hand up so I can pray for you this morning all over the place? Yeah, who else? I'll give you a second. Who else this morning? You want to make Jesus the center of your life. You want to make Jesus the center of your life. Praise God. Can I tell you right now, guys, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. He's drawing you. He's speaking to you. He's doing that work right now in you. Man, that's the beginning. It's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. You want to make Jesus the center of your life. You may pray a prayer like this in, in your own words as you're sitting there. Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. Thank you for taking my place on the cross. I knew that was, that's my place, and you did that for me. I believe you died on the cross and were buried in a tomb. You became that living sacrifice for me, and I believe you were raised from the dead, and because you live, I am also so much alive. And I invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and dwell in me. Make this temple your home. I want to make you the center of my life. I step off of the throne of my heart and I invite you to come in and sit at the throne of my heart. Take my life. I want to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Still with your head, heads bowed and eyes closed, you're just dealing with some sin in your life. You're just dealing with some struggles. You're facing some battles and you're like, I just need God to show up in a big way in my life. Hands all over the place so I can pray for you this morning. You're facing some big stuff in your life. Amen. God, you see hands across this place. Lord, there's no thing that's too big for you. You're the God that does the impossible. God, we trust you today. God, I pray that you would remove mountains today. God, that you would cast sin as far as the east is from the west. Restore relationships. God, do what only you can do. Lord, I thank you for it. Encourage us, Lord. Build us up in our faith. God, help us to realize that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We make our hearts your home, God, and we invite you to come and live in us. We thank you for it. God, we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.